welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor Robert Herber. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Good morning, everybody. Beautiful day in paradise, as usual. (laughs) Rest of the nation. Some of you that were born here, you don't get it. You don't get how amazing this place is. Oh, thank you, Lord, for San Diego. All right, well, hey, some great news. Speaking of thank you, Lord, for San Diego, uh, you guys know we were meeting on San Diego State for a season, and here's some fruit that we've seen. I convene uh, the ministers that reach out to, to San Diego, the churches and parachurch ministries like InterVarsity and Campus Crusade, um, Young Life. All these different ministries. When we started ten years ago, I didn't start this this group. I just was invited to it. I was actually at the first meeting ten years ago. There were about ten to twelve people. Now there are over thirty ministers coming to it, of all these different groups. And one person proposed that we do this. We're going to have a all Christian student worship service where all the ministries come together at the end of the semester, and all the ministers are signing an agreement saying we're not going to compete with each other. We're just going to support each other in prayer and stand together. And the exciting thing about that is that unity is always a precursor for a move of God. It's an indicator and a precursor. So God's doing great things. And if you're a Point Loma student, uh, also great news, uh, we've relaunched our college service on Point Loma and uh, had a great, great evening on Thursday. And a Point Loma student who's been raised up in our ministry, uh, who now graduated, spoke at it, and I heard it was wonderful. So we love raising up the next generation. We love seeing our youth on fire for Jesus. We got amazing youth from the schools in the surrounding areas, as well as families that attend the church and children. And this message today is going to be particularly important for them, but for all of us, as I'm talking about the danger of dark spirituality. The danger of dark spirituality. I feel like we should have like an organ go, dun, dun, dun. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 28, that's where we find ourselves as we've been in the life of David. And I'll never forget being invited to a slumber party at my friend's home and then the boys getting together and talking about the activity they were going to engage in that night. And one of them had just bought a Ouija board and they were, they were talking about how their cousin had had one, and that they'd pull it out in these slumber parties, and as they uh, engaged with this, how the room would mysteriously be transformed, the atmosphere, the lights would start darkening, they could feel a change in temperature, they'd ask questions of it, and then mysteriously the pointer, without anyone touching it, would start drifting towards different answers as they asked these different questions. And I was very intrigued by it, and in the same way, I had this kind of uneasy feeling, so I went to my mother and asked her about it, and she said, oh, Robert, this is something that's prohibited for Christians in the Bible. This is a form of fortune-telling and witchcraft, and I'm so sorry that you can't go and be a part of that. And I remember actually being somewhat relieved because it had made me anxious, but then I was tremendously concerned for my, my friends. Now, unfortunately, although I dodged that bullet, I went to another friend's house sometime later, and we watched a horror video. And again, it was exciting, it was captivating, 
my heart was pounding, but in the same way, I had this gross feeling after watching it, but I wasn't prepared for what would happen next. I remember trying to go to bed that night, laying down in bed and closing my eyes, and all these images were just tormenting me. And then it wasn't just images. It got so bad that I felt physically afflicted. I had to go and sleep in my parents' room, and for the next two years, I couldn't sleep in my own room. And I, I, I dealt with these kind of things for the next uh, years until I got to college and learn truth about what I experienced. And what I find is we do a lot of counseling here, and we have a, a, a freedom emphasis, is that so many have engaged, sometime un, sometimes unknowingly, in dark spirituality. And it ends up stealing joy, stealing peace, and actually afflicting them for years. So I'm excited to unpack this scripture today from 1 Samuel 28, uh, a real portrait of dark spirituality, and to take some points from it so that we can walk in the freedom that Jesus promises us. Starting in verse three, it says this, now Samuel was dead. And remember, we've been walking through this, this story. Samuel is the prophet of Israel. He's the spiritual leader of the, the nation. And it says, now he's dead. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul, remember Saul's the king, and Saul is now a wicked king. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines, remember this is the arch enemy of the Israelites, the group that continues to raid them and try to invade them. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who's a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There's one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to that woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spirits from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, who shall I bring up? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You're Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. Welcome to church, everybody. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Malachites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. 
His strength was gone, for he had not eaten anything all that day and all that night. All right, so let's unpack this fascinating story. Potentially, you've never heard a sermon on this text before, so you can pray for me. All right, verse three, it starts with this. Now Samuel was dead. We need to understand the fact that the spiritual leader is gone in the nation of Israel. And here's my first point. When spiritual leaders are lacking, people do dumb things, right? We need good leadership. And when the spiritual leader who was always boldly speaking out the word of God is gone, you're gonna see Saul drift into to something very foolish. So let me just tell you in this church, we need spiritual leaders. And if you have the gift of leadership, we need you to step up for you to take your place. So oftentimes people think, you know, I, I just don't feel like leading or I'm kind of tired or, you know, I just don't like the format of how we do life groups or, or whatever the, the excuse is. What I need to say is that the people of God need good leadership. And we need you, if you've been given that gift, you've been entrusted with that anointing from the Lord, we desperately need you for the sake of this city, for the sake of this church, for the sake of this state, for the sake of the nation and the nations, we need you to take your place and lead. Because when there's good leadership, people meet with God. And when there's a lack of spiritual leadership, people go into all kinds of folly. And that's what we're going to see. The second part of verse 3, 3b, so Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Saul had started off on the right foot. He understood that the word of God commanded God's people to not meet with fortune tellers, to not meet with sorcerers, to not have anything to do with witches. Look at this in Leviticus 19, 31. This is the law that God handed to his people. It says, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists for you will be defiled by them. Leviticus 26. I will also turn against those, this is God speaking, who commit spiritual prostitution. Everyone say, ugh. <laughs> who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from my community. See, this was very common in the nations around Israel, these different pagan religions, and it's very common in our day and age. Here's what Deuteronomy said. God understood the danger of this, and so he spoke, when you enter in the land your Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. And we think, of course not, I'd never do this. But look at the next part. Or who practices divination or sorcery or interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or who has a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. We're saying God is very serious about this. He says it'll defile you. He says it makes you detestable to the Lord. He says, in fact, I have to cut you off from the community if you do this. Here's why because there's only two sources of spiritual power. One is from Jesus, it's the light, and all other that doesn't name Jesus as Lord is dark. It's darkness, and the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And you think, but, but they're a white witch. She's so sweet, right? But, but the, the Bible says the enemy can even masquerade as an angel of light. 
And so this is why it's so dangerous. So, so let's jump in, into the story. It says this in verse four, the Philistines assembled and came and set up at Shunem while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. So Saul had expelled the witches, the mediums, the, the sorcerers. So why is he gonna go into this? It's because of this. Fear leads us to sin. Don't react to fear. Right, some, some of us actually think, well, I'm so wise. Like, I can think of anything that can hurt me. Right, and, and I can respond so fast to it. But the Bible says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. You're not wise when you react to fear. When something comes that makes you afraid, the first thing you need to do is stand and say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. The Bible says you didn't receive a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Don't ever respond to fear. That's not being wise. That's setting yourself up for an enemy trap. And so Saul gets fearful when he sees the Philistines, and he says, I've got to do something. So now, here is the interesting thing that, that, that Saul does. It says in verse six, he inquired of the Lord. But the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophet. And we think, well, that's kind of sad. Saul did try to, to seek the Lord. But what, here's what you gotta understand. No one wants to be used in life. No, no one wants to just be, be used. We want friendship. We want relationship. And you see, God had been so kind to Saul. He had anointed him. He, he called him out. He had raised him up. He had continually spoken to him, but Saul, time and time again, would not honor what God said. Saul was given commands, but, but then he'd choose purposely to walk against those commands. And, and, and then even Saul had this great revelation Saul understood even that, that David was anointed, and he even says, David, I know you're anointed. You're gonna be the next king. But then the next moment, Saul would go back and try to kill him again. You see, Saul had seared his conscience. When we continually hear from God, but then decide to disobey, we actually sear our conscience. And eventually, God will stop speaking to us. Why? Because you're accountable to obey what God tells you. And so you have to be judged when you disobey God. So eventually God will just stop talking to you because if he just keeps talking to you, you keep hearing more and keep turning away from it, you're just heaping more and more judgment on yourself. So out of God's mercy, he stops talking to you. You following me? So how do you start hearing God again? You say, yeah, I'm one of those people. I used to hear God, but I don't hear him anymore. The best way to start hearing God is to go back to the last thing he told you be obedient to it, and watch, you release his voice back to you continually because God loves friendship. God loves to walk in communion with you. But the problem is, is Saul doesn't hear from God. And then he also doesn't hear from the prophets. Why? Because if you remember, Saul went and killed all the priests in the land because he, he thought the priests were helping David side against him, so he went and wiped out the whole family of priests. You see, we get good leadership from spiritual leaders, 
And, and they're, they're constantly speaking into our lives. But when we distance ourselves or we walk away from that, we cut off that opportunity for God to speak to us. So God couldn't speak to them through a prophet because the prophets were all dead. Here, here's a New Testament commentary on why Saul couldn't hear from God. James 4, verse 2 and 3. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you, don't, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you spend what you get on your pleasures. But God doesn't want you to just cry out to him when you're about to get destroyed. God wants friendship. And so Saul doesn't hear from God, so then what does he do? He resorts to another way of getting supernatural wisdom and insight, verse seven. Saul said to his attendants, find me a woman who's a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There's one in Endor, they said. So I, I wanna break down this text because it's, it's very important. It's very fitting for us. We always like to look at the Hebrew meaning of places in the Bible. So indoor, what does that mean? What does indoor mean? It means the fountain of the age. Can I just tell you, in every generation, there's a wisdom of this age, Something that looks noble, it looks true, it looks wise, but it's not revelation coming from God. And so we're, we're, we're seeing this in our day uh, in all kinds of different iterations and, and people chasing after different types of religions or the new age movement. Or I, I, I've seen so many people that uh, they're captivated by Oprah Winfrey. And, and Oprah on one side will have like a Christian pastor, but then she'll all of a sudden have like a new age teacher. And it's cloaked in a smile, and this is helpful. But all of these people who, who don't understand this start following teachers like Eckhart Tolle or, or, the, or like uh, Deepak Chopra. Now, here's an interesting thing. I'm talking to my kids this week because I'm always doing a devotional along with what I'm preaching. And I said, kids, you have to understand that you're gonna have friends, even Christian friends, that try to lead you into other forms of spirituality and trying to seek a contact with other kind of spirituality. My kids are like, Dad, no, we won't. My kids go to a, a, a Christian school, so they're saying, no, no, we won't. And I said, no, kids, I want, you to, I want you to understand like the enemy is always trying to invade even Christian environments with this. So here's an example from, from this week that I, I, I found uh, heartbreaking. Deepak Chopra is a, a, a new age teacher. If you look up his Wikipedia page, he's one of the preeminent new age teachers. He talks about healing the body through, through the power of the mind. He uh, was deep into transcendental meditation. And where was he this week? On Point Loma Nazarene campus. So I, I'm not pointing fingers. I don't know how we got there. I'm not saying some Christian person wanted to bring him in, but he was teaching this week in Brown Chapel on Point Loma campus. So think about the brilliance of the enemy. So many Christian kids that are going to Brown Chapel and, and having their great worship services, which they have, and hearing, hearing biblical teaching, and all of a sudden they find out this teacher is gonna be in their same location on their Christian campus. How would they know to not go 
and listen to him and take that in. They probably don't have parents like me that are saying, hey, this is, this is wrong. So all of a sudden, they're going and receiving from dark spirituality. We've got to teach our kids. We've got to help them understand that we don't dabble. Guys, the Disney Channel, for crying out loud, is putting like witches and, and wizards, and it seems so sweet, right? It's a little witch, and she just gives you a little kitty cat, right? But the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And so our children are being given books and novels about witchcraft, and right next to that, on the bookshelf, it's just a gateway to how to cast spells and, and how to interpret omens. It, it's, it's all a gateway. Do not be deceived. The enemy is trying to destroy us. And it's not just kids, by the way. I mean, Christians, they're like, did you see that vampire show? That was amazing. Okay, so uh, uh, let me, so why would it be bad to watch a vampire show? Let me just show you real quick. It, it talks about this woman who was a medium. Now, here's the other word for medium, the Hebrew word for medium. The King James Version actually here interprets it better. It says, the word is ba'alah which means has a familiar spirit. Do you understand that there are spirits, right? There's the Holy Spirit. There are demonic spirits that are trying to afflict people. Uh, here, here, Ephesians chapter 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, if you grew up in a church like me, which I'm very thankful because we were taught much of the Bible and to believe the authority of the Bible, we never talked about the spiritual realm. And so we didn't understand that there are demonic spirits trying to influence and trying to oppress people. Now, here's the question people always ask. So can a Christian be possessed? Here's my answer. I believe no. I believe that Christians are possessed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in, takes over. You're the possession of the Lord, but you can be oppressed. So let me explain it this way. I can own my house. I have the title deed. It's mine. But if I leave a window, if I open up a window in the middle of the night, or if I just leave the door unlocked, the enemy can come in and oppress me. They, can, well, they, they didn't get the title deed and all of a sudden have it transfer ownership. I still own the house. But I opened up a window and the enemy can come in and attack me and afflict me. And I find that happens all the time by the things we walk into. We're opening up doors and windows into our life. And so this woman has a familiar spirit. And that is how she could make contact with the spiritual realm. Do you remember this from, from the New Testament this story where, where uh, Peter and, uh, no, where Paul is going along and there's this slave girl who's possessed with a spirit. Y'all remember that? And she's constantly prophesying. I mean, she is predicting the future. It's amazing. And finally, Paul casts it out of her. And then people get mad because they lost their opportunity to make money. But she had a spirit and that was allowing her to do this, to, to, to make this contact. And so this is what this woman had. This is a, a real thing. Now watch this. Verse 13. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. 
Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress. Saul said, the Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? Okay, so do you see this? They are seeing, this woman is seeing a ghostly figure. So point one is spirits exist. This is real. Okay, so then the question becomes like, okay, this is so weird. Um, is this Samuel's ghost, right? Like, I, I watched A Christmas Carol, and there were ghosts there, but like, I could sit through it because I didn't think that was real, but now you're telling me it's real. Like, what's going on, pastor? Okay, is this Samuel's ghost? Uh, we will never know. As you study commentaries of the most godly biblical scholars, they have all differing opinions, all right, so let me just give you a couple of them real quick. John Gill, very famous common, uh, commentary. It says, this makes it a clear case that this was not the true Samuel. His soul was at rest in Abraham's bosom, which would be a word for heaven, in the state of bliss and happiness in heaven. And it was not in the power of men and the devils to disquiet it, nor would he have talked of his being brought up, but rather coming down. So John Gill's like, no way, that wasn't Samuel. That was a demon talking. Okay, you're like, well, I can see it. I can believe that, right? We know from, from 2 Corinthians 5 that when a believer's spirit, uh, when someone dies, the believer's spirit goes and is in heaven with God. So you're like, yeah, I, I can see that. But then Matthew Henry makes this great point. Matthew Henry, maybe the most famous commentary, most read commentary. Might not God permit the soul of his departed prophet to appear to Saul to confirm his former sentence and denounce his doom? Matthew Henry's like, hey, listen, God can do anything. If he wants to send Samuel back to rebuke the tar out of Saul, he can do it. So I'm like, yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, maybe that was his spirit. Okay, and then John Wesley takes the middle road. He's always so smart, that Wesley guy. <laughs> if it was not Samuel, but another spirit in a shape, is it not true that Saul perceived it was Samuel? Okay, you're like, ah, oh, good point, John Wesley. Okay. So here's my point. I don't know if this is Samuel's spirit, but what we do know is this. The spiritual realm is real, right? What, what we do know is that mediums can actually make contact with the spiritual realm. Like you see a, a, a fortune teller, don't mess with it. Don't think, oh, this is cute. I'm gonna go and have a little Friday night entertainment. No, you're stepping in. Anytime you're trying to make, make contact with the spiritual world outside of Jesus, it's demonic, Okay? Don't mess with tarot cards, or if you're more sophisticated, tarot cards. Don't mess with those, those things. That is demonic, that, that trying, to, trying to make those connections. So, 1 Chronicles 10. Now we get a, a commentary in Scripture on what happened to Saul because of this wayward life he was leading. This is very serious. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. Do you, you remember the word he gets is, hey, tomorrow, because of what you've done, you're gonna be dead. And sure enough, it happens. It says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. God sees this stuff as serious, 
right? And you think, well, that's the Old Testament. You know, God, now we're under grace. I can, I can you know, go and watch my little witches show on Netflix. It's okay. Can I just tell you that in the New Testament, after Jesus, after the cross, there's a, a guy named Ananias, a woman named Sapphira. They lie to the Lord and they get put to death, right? And, and can I just tell you, through watching spiritual leaders for years, I've watched even Christian leaders who start drifting away from biblical Christianity and start going into other forms of spirituality. And so I, I've watched numerous ones die early. Or, or they've, they've started walking away from the Lord in purposeful rebellion. And all of a sudden, they, they die an early death. So, I mean, that, that happens. I'm not saying God put them to death, but I am saying they stepped out of his protection. And they're no longer with us. This is serious stuff. Don't mess with it. Tell your children not to mess with it. If your friends are in it, they, you owe it to them to confront them lovingly and say, please, don't mess with this stuff. It's not good. You know, the, the reason we get into this stuff is because our hearts crave spirituality. And furthermore, much of the church has been dead religion. And so if you, if you grew up like me, I'm so thankful that I grew up in church and I was taught the Bible, but we didn't talk about the, the deep things of the spirit. And, and why do you think the world's running after superheroes right now? Because people so long for supernatural. Why do you think people are so interested in apocalyptic literature and there's every week a new movie about the end of the earth, right? And, and the good guys always win, the bad guys never do, but we still go see it over and over again. Why? It's because we long to know what's gonna happen in the future. Why do you think people wanna have these experiences? Is because your heart is created for deep spirituality. And that's the difference between Saul and David. David was a man of deep spirituality. David was a, a, a mystic. Listen to these Psalms from David. Psalm 97 says this, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people will see his glory. David was seeing into heaven. Can I just tell you, it's right to want to have supernatural revelation but get it from Jesus, right? Go deep in Jesus. Let him fill your mind with, with visions. Let him give you dreams at night. It, have encounters with him. Moses said, show me your glory, and guess what? God did. God wants to, to blow your mind with divine revelation. Look at this, this is really cool, Psalm 22. David's actually seeing future events. He has this verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's hearing Jesus saying that. He trusts in the Lord. They say, let the Lord rescue him. That was said to Jesus on the cross. Verse 18, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That didn't happen to David. This happened to Jesus. You know, this desire in you to wanna have a supernatural revelation of the future, that's why people go and have cards read. That's why people go to fortune tellers. That's why people are into all these things. It's because they wanna know, can I just tell you, don't go there, go to Jesus. And through history, Jesus is speaking to people about what's gonna happen. 
right? So I continually go to bed and I say, Lord, speak to me in dreams. And so oftentimes he tells me what's gonna happen next. It's amazing. God wants to speak to you. Seek the, seek the Lord. That's why we're always talking about spending time with God in the morning because so oftentimes he'll tell you what's gonna happen and how to respond. It's amazing. It's not fair to the rest of the world. Ha, 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 ha. But he wants to give you that. Lastly, look at Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you'll not abandon me to the realm of the dead and let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David is talking about this experiential encounter with God. He's talking about my body, my tongue, my heart. I'm filled with joy, right? That, That is why the vision statement of this church is get rocked, get real, give it away. Instead of come to church, get real, give it away, right? We don't want you to just do religion. We want you to, we, we believe if you meet with God, you get rocked, right? It's like that old Bose sound system commercial where a person would be like, and their hair would be, right? Because we believe when you meet with God, it impacts every part of you. So dive deep, that there's danger in dark spirituality, don't mess with that, but dive deep into the light. Dive deep, dive as deep as you want into Jesus. And he will fill you and he will satiate those desires for deep spirituality, right? That is why it's worth it to get up every morning and seek him, not to do some religious observation, but to meet with God. And so you say, you know, why do, why do these things not happen for me? It's because he wants to be first in your life. Yeah. Listen to this promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So today you're saying, you know, Robert, I want that. I, I, yeah, I, I, maybe I drifted into some dark stuff or maybe I, I watched this stuff because it's interesting to me. And you're saying, but, and, and this side seems kind of dull. It's because you gotta put Jesus first. He says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's stand up. God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. Far too many people in the body of Christ are walking afflicted. That's why we have these freedom days and they're so powerful. We always pack out this place. Mark your calendar for April 28th. You say, you know, I, I get tormented or I, I live in fear or anxiety. Or I, I remember in, in a life group, this young teenager was telling me in Kindle, hey, I, I, I feel like my house is haunted. At night, things will just happen and I, I have this heavy pressure on my chest and I get so scared. We ended up saying, well, hey, do y'all watch horror movies in your house? He said, yes. He said, well, look, that's opening up a window for the demonic to come in. Will you, will you turn from that? Will you confess that that's wrong? He said, yeah. He said, will you repent of that, meaning walk away from it? He said, yeah. So he did that, and then we said, now we're just gonna renounce those spirits that have attacked you. He starts renouncing them. His body starts going, like this, just straight out of the Bible. And we tell that spirit to leave. All of a sudden, his body just goes at rest. He gets this big smile on his face because I feel so peaceful. I feel so joyful. That's the freedom that God wants to give you. Don't live in affliction. We, we, we confess that what we've done is wrong. If, if you've been in any of those kind of forms of seeking other spiritual encounters, just confess that they're wrong. 
then we repent of it. God, I'm turning from that right now. And then we renounce that. We say, any spirit that came into my life through that, I tell it to leave. Can I have some prayer team come forward right now? Prayer team, just come forward. Would you just close your eyes with me? If today you need to give your life to Jesus, that's the only way to get free is that Jesus purchased our freedom by his death on the cross. He rose from the dead, defeating the powers of darkness, and you can be free. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to come forward and to say, I need Jesus to come into my life. Also, if you just say, yeah, I, I've been afflicted, Robert. Like you, my, man, my body's been afflicted, or I get torn tormented in my mind or I hear voices or you say, yeah, I have a family member or a friend dealing with that. Come forward. Let us pray for them to get set free. Or you might say, man, I just feel like there's demonic presences at work in my home or in my school or my business. Just come forward right now and let's pray for those things before you leave here. We're just gonna sing one more song focusing our eyes on Jesus. I want you to just come forward. Let's do business with God here today before we leave.